On today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, I'm going to offer you some beliefs that you can choose to believe that are going to be great for your coaching practice, believe it or not. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Hello there, this is Doug O'Brien. So glad that you've taken the time to join me here. I don't know where you are, but I'm glad you're here virtually with me. I'd like to talk to you today about a couple of uh, presuppositions of NLP, or Neuro Linguistic Programming. A couple of things that I have taken and chosen to believe to be true, and I think that they are. I believe that they are. And they're very, very useful beliefs to have. Um, You may or may not know that I wrote a book on beliefs called uh, The User's Guide to Sleight of Mouth, which is a NLP persuasion skill. We're not going to be talking about that today, but just so you know, when it comes to the beliefs, the presuppositions, if you will, of NLP, the the creators of NLP were very famous in the early days for saying, you know, we're about to tell you a lie. They were being provocative. But what they were trying to say, what they were trying to get across is that sometimes we can choose to believe things that are useful to believe because they're valuable, they're useful, they're they're good to know, good to believe. And that's what some of these presuppositions of NLP are. They're, they're useful, not necessarily true. Let me give you an example. There's a presupposition of NLP that the meaning of your communication is measured by the response that you get. The meaning of your communication is measured by the response that you get. So, for instance, if you're talking to somebody and and you explain how they uh, get from point A to point B, and uh, they go to point C, very natural tendency, I would think, would be for a person to say, ah, man, you weren't listening to me. I told you to go to point B. Right? But what NLP is saying is that the meaning of your communication is measured by the response that you get. So something about the way you spoke to them, the way you got the communicator tried to get the communication across, indicated to them to go to point C. This wasn't their fault, right? Now, is that true? (laughs) Probably not. Probably they weren't listening, right? And they just had this other map inside their brain and they didn't get it. But why is that a useful belief to say that I'm going to choose to believe that the meaning of my communication is measured by the response that I get from other people I'm communicating to. Well, it gives me a feeling of responsibility and we might even dare say empowerment. Because why? It allows me to say, okay, well, that's okay. I see what happened here. I'm going to alter my communication in order to get the message across more clearly. So it gives me the opportunity to have a do-over. Instead of just getting mad at the person saying, oh, you never listen to me. I can say, oh, interesting. Thank you for that response. Um, Let me try that again. And you give better directions or more clear directions. And 
maybe they're not really better, but they just land better because you're paying attention to how it's being received. So say, as an example, the person is very visual. They make a lot of pictures in their mind. But you didn't show them many pictures. You described it in verbal detail. You went on, you know, extolled articulately all the, you know, verbal details of how to get there. But they weren't making any pictures that way. So you say, oh, okay, I get it. They need to be shown. So you get the map out, you know, you, you describe it to them, you draw a picture for them, you know, you really s help them see what it is you're talking about. That's the communication that they need in order to understand what you're saying. So is it necessarily true? No. Is it useful? Absolutely. So there's, by the way, I guess we're talking three presuppositions that LPS is only planning to do too. But hey, that's a bonus. So you got that third one there too, which is the first one we've talked about. Um, the meaning of your communication is the response you get will be uh, number one, since we did it first. I could go on longer about that, but uh, let's just go on to the first one that I was planning on doing, which will be the second one that we're doing today, called uh, the meaning. Oh, let me sorry. The uh, number two is that every part of you has a positive intention. Every behavior, everything that you do, every part of you has a positive intention for you. This is the one I really wanted to spend some time talking about. Um, it's also true, of course, that every part of every person you work with, every client that you have, every part of them also has a positive intention. Why is this important? Because a lot of times people think, oh, you know, I've got this bad part. I've got this lazy part. I've got this scary part or this evil part or this something something part. And if only I could get rid of that bad part, then I'd be okay. You know, if I could get rid of that bad part, yeah, then, then, then I'd be effective, then I'd be efficient, then I'd get the job done, then I'd be successful in business, then I'd be successful in my relationships. If only I could get rid of that bad part, I, I'd lose weight, I'd be healthy, you know, blah, 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 right? People think that way. People think that way. Now, is that true? Well, gosh, you know, sometimes maybe. <laughs> is it useful? Absolutely not. Not at all useful. And probably not true either. One of those things, probably not true and not useful, but people do believe it to be true. What we're going to choose to believe instead, vastly more useful, is that every part of us has a positive intention. So, as an example, recently I was teaching a class, I teach these online classes in NLP and hypnosis, I was teaching this, um, this class about how people can have conflicting parts. And even the notion of human beings having multiple parts is, is perhaps a little uh, controversial in some circles. Even in the NLP world, some people say oh, that's not a useful thing to have. And yet, it does seem to, to come up a lot. It's come up a lot in history, hasn't it? That, you know, parts, even Freud, when he talked about the ego and the super ego and the id, those are different parts of the same human being. So it's been around a long time, this notion of, of parts of us. But if you stop and think about it, sometimes we hear this in our own language, 
and certainly you've heard it in other people's language when they say things like, well, you know, a part of me really wants to get that new job, but, uh, you know, a part of me is really satisfied where I am. You know, I've got this conflict going on. What are they talking about? They're talking about conflicting parts. A part of me wants to succeed. A part of me wants to be secure. A part of me wants adventure. A part of me wants to be safe. You know, these these conflicting goals, conflicting parts. So one might think, if I really, really want to succeed, if only I could get rid of this scared part, if only I could get rid of that, you know, needing security part, if only I could get rid of that bad part, then I'd be okay. Then I'd be successful. Then I could go full steam ahead with my plans. If only I could get rid of that bad part. But what we're saying is that, hey, there are no bad parts. Every single part of you wants you to be happy, healthy, and fully functioning as a human being. Every part of you does. There are no bad parts. None. Now, is that true? I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I choose to believe it's true, and I do believe it's true. I do. I believe it is not only functionally useful, I think it is actually true. It has been true in my experience. And what about those parts that seem to be bad parts? What's up with them? Well, I think they're just a little out of date, need to be updated. Or maybe, and they are of outcomes that are in conflict with another part of you for a very good reason from their perspective. From their perspective. Maybe that part of you is young and scared and needs assurance, needs safety. Maybe that part of you, you know, has been burnt a bunch of times in relationships, so is afraid to get out there and stick its neck out. You know, who knows? So we need to find ways of encouraging that part, reassuring that part, getting that part to become updated and recognize it can, you know, function in this society now, today. Now, the thing that I was teaching in this class online today is called a thing called the integration of parts technique. That is, again, what I believe that it is title. That's what I call it when I teach NLP classes. It's the same process that some people call the visual squash. I do not like that name. I don't use that name. I have issues with that title because when people use that word visual squash, it implies that you're doing a visual process and you squish things. Um, you take these two visual images and you squish them together and make them a, a new third image. Uh, both images be gone and you've got a new third image that has come from the two of them. Um, or that one, the good one, you know, overpowers the bad one and takes it over. And so instead of two images, one like a, a white globe and another one like a black globe, now the white globe has superpowers and makes the black globe, you know, blow up. And now we just have the white globe. Yeah, I hate that. I really do. I hate that sort of visual squash imagery. Because I, I don't think it's accurate and appropriate to the presuppositions of NLP, which is there are no bad parts. Every part of you wants you to be happy. There are only good parts, only parts of you that want what's good for you. They have different perspectives of what that might be, but they're not bad. So as an example, if, if we were to say, 
that you have a client. Let's imagine you have a client, a coaching client, that wants to succeed in business. I don't know what their business is. Let's make something up. They have a, a barbershop. I don't know. That sounds good. They have a barbershop. And they want to be successful in business. And part of them realizes that to be successful in business, they've got to stretch out. They've got to do more advertising. They've got to you know, come up with a new name and a new location. They've got to do these things that are really kind of out there and make a name for themselves. So they've got to you know, put themselves out. The other part of them is going like, hold on now, we don't really need to put ourselves out there that strongly because if we do, we could, we could get attacked, people could laugh at us, people could, you know, there's haters got to hate, you know, that's a real thing, you know, people are going to criticize me and make fun of me, and I'm fine just with this two-chair barbershop, we're good, we're good, you know, so there's conflicting parts here. Now, let's say that person, that client of yours, really wants to succeed and, you know, wants to make more money. That's a really good reasons why they want to, you know, improve their barbershop business. So they come to you for coaching. And they say, yeah, if only I could get rid of that scared part of me. I've got this part that keeps interfering with my success. I've got this part that keeps sabotaging my success. If only I could get rid of that bad part that sabotages my success, then I could move forward and really be successful. I bet you you've heard people say things like that. Maybe you've said things like that to yourself as well. So how is NLP different? How do we say, let's integrate those parts? Right? Let's find a way to integrate those parts. Not visual squashing, but vi integrate these conflicting parts. Well, how do we do this? First of all, we represent those parts as real things. We pretend you've got two parts that are in conflict. One wants this, one wants that. We, we imagine them as real. So you might even hold them on your hands. In one hand, you've got this. By the way, Remember, people talk that way. On one hand, I want to succeed. On the other hand, I want to be safe. So if they say that sort of thing, you know you've got a conflict of parts. So let's imagine you have that. You put on one hand, you visualize that on one hand, you are holding that part that is afraid. On the other hand, <laughs> literally, you hold your hand out and you visualize in that hand a part of you that wants to succeed. So you're now visualizing, seeing on your two hands, two distinct different parts of you. These are parts of you represented by objects on your hands. Maybe they are little people. Maybe there's a person on one hand that looks like you uh, being all successful. On the other hand, there's a person that looks like you being all afraid and cowering in the corner or something like that. You know, representations. Maybe, maybe uh, they're objects like a white ball and a black ball we were seeing before. Uh, whatever it might be. Representations, images, metaphorical representations in your hands. You see them as real. You not only see them, you feel them. You can feel their heaviness, their weight, or their lightness, or their vibration, or their you know, uh, energy that's there. You, you can hear them. They can talk to you. Maybe there's a, vibra a vibration that creates a sound, right? Maybe there's a voice. And we actually can talk to them. We can ask them questions, and they'll respond to us. So we do, we engage in conversation with these parts. And we say, hey, part A, what do you want? And maybe that's the part that wants to succeed. So it says, well, I really want to 
succeed in business. Excellent musical, by the way. Um, and you say to Part B, hey, Part B, what do you want? And it says, well, I want to, you know, succeed, but not like that. I, I want to just, you know, keep going with what I got. You know, there's two chair barbershop. I want to be safe and secure here. That's It works. Uh, why why fix it if it ain't broken? Just Just stay here. So we got two parts. They want two different things. Are they bad? No. They're just two parts with two different desires and needs and definitions of what success is, perhaps. Right? So what do we do? How do we integrate these guys? Ah, great question. Thank you for asking. What we do is we, in a sense, chunk up. That's not quite accurate. We, we get to a higher criteria. So we say to person uh, A, this representative, this, this object A on your left hand, um, it's on my left hand as I'm imagining it might be your right hand. But you say to that part, hey, you part that wants to succeed, why? Why do you want to succeed? What will that give you? In fact, by the way, it's what will it give me? What will it give the client? Right? So these are two parts of me. These two parts of me, in this case, we're talking about me, um, might be your client, might be you. But these two parts of the person involved are parts of the person involved. This is a part of me. This is a part of me on these two different hands. So it's not what they want for themselves. It's what they want for me. It's what they want for you. It's what they want for the person whose hands they are. Okay? So I said, part A, why do you want this thing to be successful in business in this case? Why do you want that? Well, because it will give me um, prestige, let's say, or it'll give me uh, um, more money. Just use that, more money. And and you say, oh, okay, thank you. And part B, why why do you want to stay where you are and, and uh, have this same barbershop as it has been for so long? So, well, because I, I need security. I want security. And it wants it for me. It wants me to be secure. So on the one hand, one part wants me to have more money. The other part wants me to be secure. Are these both bad things? No, they're both perfectly good things. I can see that. Can you? More importantly, we ask the parts. We ask the parts. So you say to part A, hey, you know, this part over here wants security for you. Isn't security a nice thing? Isn't security good? Can you appreciate that security is a good thing? Part A will go like, yeah, sure. Why not? Nothing wrong with security. It's a good thing. What about you, part B? Now, they obviously will have some objections, but security as a thing is not a bad thing. Part B, part A wants more money. Is that okay? I mean, can you imagine that if you're the person who, whose hands you are had more money, that that could be a good thing? And part B will say, yeah. So we get to the place where they have agreement about the two higher criteria that are being involved here. In this case, money and security. And if they can, if we can get them through some negotiation, et cetera, to agree that, yeah, that is important. Yeah, that is good. Um, then we can move on to the next step. So it might take a little negotiation. Perhaps, for instance, you might say, well, you know, Part B, having more money actually gives you more security. Right. And if you're secure, then you can invest money more wisely and you can, you know, sort of with security, you can take a little bit more risks sometimes when necessary. So that'll help you get even more money. Right, So they, they find ways of finally agreeing to that, yes, I like that guy's criteria. Yes, I like that guy's criteria too. It's all good. 
then the next step is this. You get these two parts to recognize that their current way of being isn't getting them what they want. In fact, it's getting them the opposite of what they want. Because they are conflicting with each other. Nobody is winning. It is not a question of this part wins and this part loses. Or this part wins and this part loses. It is the reality of they are both losing. We're not getting more money. We're not being secure. Nobody's winning. And these outcomes that we want for the person who owns the hands, in this case me, I'm not getting nothing. I know that's a double negative. Um, <laughs> I just thought of a joke, but I won't tell you. Um, I'm not getting anything out of this deal. Right? I'm losing, losing, lose, lose, lose. So we get those two parts to notice this. Hey, part A, did you notice something here? You get them both to notice there's there's a problem. You're not getting anything. So then you get them to recognize that in order for them to get security, in order for them to get more money, in order for them to get these two admittedly positive outcomes, they need to work together. That the the way it's been so far is not working. It's not working. So let's try something different. By the way, I think that's another presupposition of NLP is if, if what you're doing isn't working, try something different. Good rule of thumb, whether it's NLP or not. So we get them to agree to try to work together, to try this on for size. So in fact, to work together. And here's what happens. They begin to say, wow, cool. This is a better thing. We can work together. We can be part of the same team. We can be, you know, all pulling together towards the same end. We can dance together like, you know, Fred and Ginger. We can dance together. We can make this work. Then what happens is interesting. Sometimes these two parts remain two separate parts, but they're working together. Like like I said, Fred and Ginger are the, a catcher and a pitcher on a baseball team. You know, they, they're a team. They work together. Or sometimes they come together. They actually do what people want to happen in a visual squash process is they unite. They become one thing, a new object. If that happens organically, great, fine, super. But I never like to force that. I don't want people to be forced into, you know, fitting my therapeutic model, <laughs> you know, push you into this little pigeonhole until you fit. You know, I don't want them to, you know, be forced into my therapeutic model. I want to do what's organic for them. So if it's organic for them that these two parts, you know, merge together and become one unified thing, fabulous. If it's two separate parts that have, you know, valuable, valuable, why can't I say that? Valuable contributions to make individually and then collectively, you know, work together as a team, that's even perfectly fine as well. The second presupposition of NLP I wanted to talk about today, of course, is the third presupposition we're talking about today because I stuck in that first one at the beginning. The, um, I guess, third presupposition that I would like to draw to your attention and offer for your consideration is this. That, uh, let me see. And that is this, is that people are not their behaviors. People are not their behaviors. It's very much in line, isn't it, with the 
that parts, there's no bad part, every part of us has a positive intention. When you realize that every part of us has a positive intention, we also realize that people have positive intentions behind their actions. Sometimes their actions can be dodgy, bad. They can take bad actions. But we have to recognize if we're going to be their coach, if we're going to be their therapist, let's just call it a coach, if we're going to work with them to make changes, we need to see them as being good people. We need to appreciate that everyone does the best they can with the resources they have. I guess that's another presupposition of NLP. But that people are not their behaviors. I need to see that this person is a valuable human and not their behaviors so that I can separate their behaviors from their humanity, who they are as a human being. When you can do that, then it gives you power to make changes. It gives you the power to have affinity, to have rapport, to have the ability to influence the person in a positive direction so they begin to make better choices so they can begin to make better choices and have better behaviors, right? You can't do that if you think they're bad people because they did a bad thing. It's really important as a coach to recognize that we all are humans, we all have failings, we all make mistakes, and we all do the best we can with the resources we have. So why would a person do a bad behavior? Because they don't have the resources available to them to make better choices. If they did, they would. They make the best choice possible with the resources they have available to them. They're not bad people. They just didn't have enough resources available to them. Now, yes, is this true? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things again, right? Yeah, probably. And sometimes really, really hard to, to believe. Right? We've seen some stuff, right? We've seen some stuff happen. How is that the best choice available to them? How is that not bad? How is that not bad? And gosh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Probably is. And yet, if we're going to work with them, if they are our clients, if we're going to work with this person, then we are well placed to to take on this belief for this client at this moment, that they, this person, are not their behaviors. That this person right here in front of me is more than that. That I'm going to choose to believe, for this person at least for now, makes the best choices they can with the resources they have available to them. I'm going to choose to believe that so that I can be at my best to help them change to get them to find new beliefs that are more useful for them, more valuable for them to make better choices and do better behaviors. Because you know what? People go through a lot. People have lives and experiences, and everybody has issues. Everybody has problems. Everybody is, has traumas. Everybody has. Everybody has. So we need to appreciate that, you know, People are doing the best they can with the resources they have. They just don't know how to get hold of these other resources. That's where we can help them. That's where, as a coach, you can help people to discover new ways of thinking, new ways of feeling, and 
new ways of responding to stuff by getting hold of new inner resources. Helping those integration of parts is a great way to help people get to new resources. Think about that for a second. If a person's all conflicted from before, the previous example, they don't have access to great resources. They can't take great actions. As soon as you iron that out and give them, you know, integrated belief systems where they can take unified action, congruent, directed action, they're going to take make much much better choices, aren't they? So we could talk about this second one a lot, or this, I guess, third one, that people are not their behaviors. We could talk about this for hours. Um, I would just like to say that uh, it is a presupposition of NLP. It is a presupposition of NLP, and it's an important thing for us to decide to adopt, at least while we're working with our coaching clients. Because if we see the clients that we have, we've, we appreciate that these people in front of us are, are trying. They wouldn't be in your office if they weren't trying. They wouldn't, be, they wouldn't be hiring you and spending the money if they weren't trying to do the best they could to get, you know, to be a good person and do the right thing. They wouldn't be there. They chose you for a reason. So we're going to choose to believe that they're doing the best they can with the resources they have, and our job is to help them get in touch with better resources so they can make better choices. So I hope this has been interesting to you. Thank you so much for for tuning in. See you soon. This has been the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us each and every one of us at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Thanks.